Well, good morning. Good morning. It is good to be here with you guys this morning. Good to be worshiping. Good to be joining our voices together. Awesome to see you guys here today. Um, my name is Kevin. I'm the pastor of student ministries here at Grace Point. And I don't know about you, but I don't love crowds. I don't love going to amusement parks. And I don't really like parades. But there is an exception. Me and my family have loved the New Holland Parade since we've moved here. We love going, staking out, or trying to find somebody that's staked out a piece of the sidewalk so that we can view the parade as it goes by. Uh, it is just a fun atmosphere, and we also love holding on to that hope of maybe getting an Achenbach Long John thrown at us, or at least like a, a coupon for one. Um, so... The thing about parades is when we get our spot, when we find our spot on the sidewalk, we are viewing that parade as it goes by from a very specific vantage point. We're seeing it as it goes by. We don't know what's necessarily coming next unless it's the pipe organ, um, because we can hear that. But if we're just based on what we can see, we, we can't really know what's coming up next. Um, and it would be easy to forget what's, what's gone. We're dealing with what's right in front of us, right there in that moment. But there's another perspective, and, and that's the perspective of uh, the people that are actually in the parade. And, and they have a very unique perspective, too. Um, they're seeing it from their vantage point as being in the parade, part of it. And then there's yet another vantage point that we can imagine, and it's that good, Goodyear blimp uh, perspective. Uh, up above the parade, looking down, you can picture it. You, you would be able to see the whole parade start to finish. And sometimes I think we uh, go so far as not only to just imagine that we have that perspective, but we actually, um, we actually uh, convince ourselves that we do have that perspective. Uh, if we think about the way that we view life and we view the situation around us, we live in some extraordinary times with the phrase, uh, hey Siri or Alexa, we can uh, find our favorite song on our playlist. We can turn our TV on and off. We can uh, have access instantly to more information than we could consume in a lifetime, actually several lifetimes. So that can make us feel like, yeah, I have all the information. I have the Goodyear Blimp perspective, even when we don't. Now, as we look around, it, it's, it's not, it would be actually very hard to make an argument that we uh, don't live in a post-truth context. It would be really hard to look around at the conf confusion and complexity of our day and age and, and not say, yeah, I, I, I can see why this is called a post-truth period of time. Um, and it's turned many people to look to Google for help, to, to look to Google for answers to, okay, um, what should I do next? Not just for information, but actual moral decisions like, what should I do next? How should I respond to this? And it's turned many people to look inward on themselves, to say, you know what? I can't trust anything out there, so I'm going to trust myself. And 
it's easy to see that the more convenience and the more access to information hasn't necessarily given us more wisdom or more knowledge. The, the access to more and more facts hasn't really led us to more wisdom, to more uh, living based on actual knowledge. Um, now, as we look around and see that even our context, even, even in this day and age, the categories of true and false don't even seem to be recognized. They don't even seem to exist. What do we do? How do we navigate this context? How do we navigate a world that says true and false? What is that? Now, I am not here this morning trying to answer that question once and for all. I'm not going to be able to solve that. But what I do want to do is walk through some principles that we find in Scripture that can help us navigate as we move through a complex and confusing context. And so I want to, I want to start with um, the inside influence of me. That's often where we start. And then move to the outside influences of both we and he. That's how we're going to move through this morning. So the first principle is a, is a principle that has to do with me. And we often trust what sounds good to us for our truth grid, for how we're going to process the information that we have, how, what we're going to allow to get through, what we're going to filter through. And we often trust what sounds good to us for our truth grid. Our, our natural inclination is to uh, build a framework that um, is based on our bias. It, it, it determines ahead of time what we're going to allow in and what we're going to uh, filter out. And sometimes, if we're just trusting on me as the authority, me, myself, and I, then we get taken down some uh, crazy paths. We get taken down some roads that might not necessarily lead to our best. And actually, Paul um, talks about this uh, a thousand plus years ago, so this is, not, this is not a new thing. We see this in his letter to Timothy. 2 Timothy 4.3 says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Itching ears, they only hear what scratches the itch, right? Itching ears only hear what they want, only hear what they will allow in. Starting with me, I'll decide. I'll be the judge of that. I will decide what comes through and what gets pushed to the side, what's legitimate and what isn't. And we end up building around us voices and information and facts and data that supports our bias, right? So as a kid, I would do this. I loved art. Uh, that was the only place in school that I felt like I had any success was in the art classroom. It was the only place I wasn't a nervous wreck. Uh, math equations would, would cause me an incredible amount of stress. But I remember... When I would do a drawing, if I wasn't feeling super confident about it, but I wanted to hear that it was great, I would go to my mom. <laughs> because 
Every single piece of artwork that I did was a masterpiece. And she would tell me, this is a great piece of art, even if it was trash, even if it was not really that great. Now, I still do that to this day. I'll still gather around people that will, that will be able to kind of build up my self-esteem that will speak into my life. It's not a fully bad thing, but if it's the only thing, if it's the only framework that we're using, then it can lead us to believe some things that just aren't true. Google can help us in that area too. Uh, Google can actually um, take our bias and give us search results that are based on that. So I was just having a conversation the other day with someone about the benefits of uh, apple cider vinegar. Okay, so if you take a tablespoon or two of apple cider, cider vinegar, it's believed that, hey, that has some health benefits. So Catherine and I were looking it up, and she found all these benefits, like Google search. Wow, the list was incredible. But then I did an experiment. I said, okay, you typed in the benefits. What if I typed in the health risks of apple cider vinegar? Lo and behold, the top results were all the risks, all the dangers of consuming apple cider vinegar. See, Google had figured out my bias. <laughs> it figured out what I wanted to hear, and it gave me the results that matched that search. It's crazy, but if we don't give thought to that, if we're not thoughtful about even how we frame our questions, we can easily fall into just believing stuff because that's what our bias is. But I think instead of just going with, well, that sounds good to me, we should be asking some deeper questions. We should, we should be asking, have I or the algorithm or the people that I've gathered around me created a place where only certain opinions are allowed, where only certain opinions will be discussed, topics will be um, uh, shared, or opinions will be shared and topics will be discussed only these are in bounds. Everything else is off limits. We need, and is there a, another question would be to ask, who is this benefiting? Is this benefiting anybody but me? Is my, is my filter benefiting anybody but me? Is it just reinforcing what I already have believed to be true? So we need help answering those questions. And for obvious reasons, who we turn to towards matters. Who we turn to matters. And the, the quality of our network strengthens our truth grid. So the quality of we, the people that we gather around us, makes a difference. It's not just that we have a bunch of people around us, but it's that we've been thoughtful about who we're allowing to speak into our lives. We, we need more than ourselves. We need more than me, myself, and I. So here's some, here's some proverbs that speak directly to that. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. Surely you need guidance to wage war, and victory is won through many advisors. Notice what's repeated, many advisors but not just many, it's a quality of those advisors that, that really makes a difference. 
gathering around us a multitude or many fools to speak into our lives doesn't help us. So we have to be mindful of that. We're not talking about um, a multitude of influencers, a multitude of YouTubers with um, billions of sub subscribers, not a multitude of TikTok experts to weigh in on the most recent ha hashtag or viral challenge. So what happens when we don't give thought to the people that are influencing us? I don't know if you've, you've heard about this, but there is, there is or was a viral challenge on TikTok called the Devious Lick Challenge. What's the challenge? Go and destroy public property, get video of that, and post it. You immediately get credibility among that community who is propagating that. That is insane to me. It seems crazy. But if the filter is, well, it's funny. It's funny to me and my crew. Or if it, get, it gets me recognition. So it's funny and it gets me recognition. And if that's the only filter that you're using, you get people destroying public property, property in schools and, and all over the place because their grid, their framework for what's true and good and right is flawed. It's not tight enough. It hasn't been given thought. So the, the, the people that we gather around us can't just be any old people, any old people that agree with us, right? It has to go beyond that. So for me, it has to go, if we go back to me and my art, it has to go beyond uh, my mom's opinion. It has to go further than that. In college, I studied art, and I had a professor that was just known to be ruthlessly honest, like incredibly honest, like make people cry honest. So people would present their projects, and sometimes they would leave in tears I, uh, because he was so, so honest. Now, I don't know if it was fully right for him to be that cruel, but there was something that I really appreciated about him. He would tell us how it was. He would tell us what he actually thought. And you know what? It made me, I don't know about all the students, but it made me better. It made me a better artist because I was thinking, you know what? I better take this seriously. I better give thought to this. I better um, pay attention to what I'm doing because I'm going to be standing in front of the class with a critique from my sculpture professor. And I want to know that I've put thought into it. I want to know that I have... Um, uh, given my best effort for this. Um, but it, it, like I said, it, it doesn't matter how wise the people are around us. If we don't listen, then we don't re receive anything. If we, if we don't listen to the, the wise people that are around us, we don't grow. Like we, we may end up getting our feelings hurt. We may leave an art classroom crying, but we don't grow right? So after we get through that emotion, after we get through, you know, those people, those counselors, those many advisors that tell us how it is, after we get through the emotion of that, we have to get back to processing, okay, 
what's true here? What do I need to carry with me? What do I need to take with me? What can I learn from that? And I think one of the best questions that I have come across as a leader or in life in general is, what do you think? 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 And then actually listening to the response. So are you asking that question of the multitude of counselors, the many advisors that you've gathered around you? And are you, are, are you listening? Are you listening to what they're saying? Lastly, uh, we go to he. The influence of he, the reliability of our foundation determines the st stability of our truth grid. Along, along with turning to wise counselors, we've got to turn to the wise counselor. And in uh, Proverbs 1.7, Solomon, the wisest person to walk the earth aside from Jesus, says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And I think it's incredibly significant that he doesn't say the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge, but he says the fear of the Lord. Because the fear of the Lord means the fear of Yahweh, a personal God, the God, the one who has come into our space, the one that we celebrate on Christmas, who has entered our humanity because he wants to relate with us personally. Not some distant, impersonal God, but a personal God, Yahweh. A God who has the Goodyear Blimp perspective, but also has the perspective from all other vantage points. Way up in the sky, all the way down to each and every hair on the tuba player's head, <laughs> knowing that level of detail. That's incredible. Do we have him as our foundational principle, as our foundational influence, not just intellectually, but functionally. Not just saying, yeah, in God we trust, but living some other way, but actually living in personal relationship with Yahweh, God, Jesus. And what's our attitude Moving forward, I think this is what's the most significant thing that, that I would love for us all to hear this morning. What is our attitude when we are trying to figure out where the truth is, when we're trying to navigate a post-truth context? What is our attitude? Can we look inward? Will we be kind of the combative type, always looking to pick a fight? Will we be more consumeristic? Just consuming whatever is out there and believing it instantly? Or will we actually be caring? Will it be more relational? Will we look to Jesus as the model saying, he didn't agree with everybody that he interacted with, but he was caring, loving, full of grace and mercy toward everyone that he interacted with no matter what opinions they held, no matter what they thought. So what's our attitude?
And are we asking, what do you think? Are you asking, what do you think? Look, James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all, without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Guys, he offers us more than facts. He offers us himself. He offers us relationship with him built on the truth, not just on a, like a massive mountain of information, but relationship. And do we even ask God? Do we listen? I think sometimes I don't ask because I already know what the answer is. I don't ask God because I, I feel like I already know that he's going to say no. Or he's already going to point me in a different direction than, than the one that I want to go. But I, I'm, I'm here to tell you that is unwise. It is unwise to not ask. To not ask the people around you. To not ask the God who sees everything from every vantage point. It's, it's more than just what the, the most popular influencer is saying. It's more than just what the YouTuber is saying who has so many subscribers, they don't know what to do with it. It's founding our truth. It's building our framework around and on top of that foundational principle that the beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. Now, it might mean... Uh, it might mean moving towards uh, becoming more like sounding boards and, and less like echo chambers. More like sounding boards and less like echo chambers. It might mean listening to podcasts from the other side, from people that we know we don't agree with, straight out the gates, and wrestling with that. It might mean engaging in civil conversation for the sake of understanding somebody else rather than engaging in civil war. Battling for what we know is right. It might mean being open to change and setting aside that, oh, I'll be the judge of that attitude. It might mean going after the facts with the tenacity of a lion, but then engaging with people with the caring and the grace and the mercy of a lamb. It might mean asking, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Asking that of the people around us, our many counselors, and asking that of our God. Of course, we're flawed. We won't always get it right. And our tendency is to trust ourselves first, right? That's our default. We don't always gather around us a multitude of, of wise counselors like we should. And we don't always ask God what he thinks. But luckily for us, this context, this cultural moment is no surprise to God. It's no problem for him. Because while we experience confusion and while we, can, we experience our limited Perspective. We're only seeing what's right in front of us. God sees everything. 
And he's given Jesus to help us. He's given Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit to be with us. The embodiment of truth to be with us. And look at the attitude of Jesus. Paul says it in Philippians 2, 5 through 11. He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He's the only one that can claim facts 100% of the time and actually be right 100% of the time. But he set aside his right to be right so that we could be put back in right relationship with him. That's astounding. We have to think about that. We have to pause on that for a second. He set aside his right to be right so that we could be put back in right relationship with him. That's incredible. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. He is the key to the way we walk. He's the truth we stand on and is the abundant life that we experience as a result of knowing him. It's so much more than just knowing and finding our truth. It's knowing the person of Jesus Christ. And living out that relationship based on that foundation of what is true. I think that's how we, we have to start. We have to start with him in order to navigate this context. Thank God for Jesus and the power of his spirit that guides and leads our steps. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to open your word, to, to talk through some big ideas, some big principles. God, I pray that it would... Uh, land with people today, that it would come, come down into our concrete experience. That we would see that, man, we don't always have the full perspective, even if we want it, even if we wish we did, even if we can pretend for a moment that we have all the facts, that we have all the information, that we have that perspective. We don't, and we need you desperately. We need you to guide us. We need you to be our foundation. We need you to be what we build the rest of our truth grid on. God, help us to be thoughtful about the people that we gather around us. Lord, help us to be thoughtful about who we're asking and how we're listening. God, I pray that you would work in each and every one of us. Move in our hearts, move in our minds. Help us to see that you're not asking us to set aside our intellect. You're not asking us to set aside our thinking. You're asking us to engage with you as the truth. And to let that be what everything else is established on. We thank you for that. We thank you for your willingness to set aside your right so that we could be made right with you. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.